Welcome to It's All About Who You Know with host Craig Turner from Momento, the business growth agency. On our podcast, Craig interviews executives from chambers of commerce around the United States and Canada, tapping into their expertise on how to get the most value from your business associations, how their organizations are serving their members, and what's happening in their market for companies looking to grow there. Here's Craig Turner. Welcome to the It's All About Who You Know podcast brought to you by Momentum, the business growth agency. I'm Craig Turner, your host. On today's episode, we're going to be talking to the head of the oldest continually operating chamber of commerce in the United States. It's a little trivia for you, but it will be incredibly relevant as we get into our conversation today. Very exciting. So our Chamber of Commerce Network continues to grow. In fact, we did a tally a few weeks back and have about 50 chambers across the U.S. and Canada where we can make a phone call and connect with someone we've already worked with. How those chambers get into our network is is diverse. We're a member of a number of chambers ourselves. We have relationships with chambers where I was a colleague with folks back when I was with the chamber in Buffalo. And it's great to see so many of my colleagues having advanced to leadership positions. We have relationships with some chambers just because we're interested in their communities. And like today's guest, perhaps the fastest way we're growing our chamber network is on behalf of our clients. One of our Momentum clients is passionate about the Charleston, South Carolina market. So the first thing we did when they entered the market was connect them with the chamber. We have been nothing less than thrilled with the support that we've gotten. And I am very excited today to be talking with Brian Dareberry, President and CEO for the Charleston Metro Chamber of Commerce. Brian, thanks for joining us. Craig, great to be with you this morning. Thank you for having me. We have our first sponsor for the program, so let me take a second here. Today's episode is brought to you by Welke Customs Brokers USA, serving your import needs through any port of entry in the United States. Welke USA focuses on making sure that your import clearances are being done with speed, reliability, and compliance to avoid hangups at the border or at the port. When you call Welke USA for service, you get a live person every time. Everyone's dealing with supply chain issues right now. The last thing you need is unnecessary delays because your processes break down. Want to remove uncertainty from your import processes? Call Welke USA at 716-995-2900. So let me start by giving everybody a quick formal intro, and then we can then we can dig right into some, some questions. As president and CEO of the Charleston Metro Chamber of Commerce, Brian Dareberry leads one of South Carolina's largest chambers in its regional advancement work, securing economic prosperity for businesses and residents of today and tomorrow. Through the platforms of talent, advocacy, and leadership, Dareberry, the chamber staff, and a host of volunteer leaders drive regional private sector collaboration and success for businesses large, medium, and small. Brian has an established executive management track record featuring more than 30 years in chamber leadership and advocacy roles. And we were talking just before we started that he started his career similar to the way to the way I did. And I could very well have followed his his path. But prior to joining the Charleston Metro Chamber, Brian served as president and CEO of chambers in Wichita, Kansas, Catawba County, North Carolina, and Middletown, Ohio. He started again, in the same role I did, a state lobbyist for the Greater Cincinnati, Ohio Chamber of Commerce. Brian holds a Bachelor of Arts and degree in political science from Wittenberg University and is working towards a combined MA-PhD in American politics and international relations from the American University in Washington, D.C. Brian and his wife, Gail, live in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, and are the proud parents of three adult children, Sarah, Claire, and David, and two grandchildren, Madison and William. And Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, I'm looking at Brian on the screen, and he's got a beautiful sunshine behind him. I am in uh, Buffalo right now, where I think it's about 
27 degrees and cloudy and and kind of a rain snow mix so i'm going to stare at brian's screen while we do this uh, presentation so lots going on thank you again brian for for giving us some of your time let's start with an intro to the chamber we introduced you but let's let's start start with an intro to the chamber can you tell us tell us about the organization very pleased to craig our chamber is approaching its 250th anniversary that's kind of mind-boggling it was founded three years before our country was founded in 1773. And uniquely enough, it was founded by a number of business folks that came together, primarily merchants, because there was challenges with the Port of Charleston. They needed to get shipping in and out more readily. And our number one issue, 249 years later, is assuring at the federal level, we get the funding to get the port to 52 feet. So as much as things change, uh, some stay the same and we're well on our way to doing that. So we'll have the deepest port on the Eastern seaboard and excited about what that'll mean for our, our metro economy. Our chamber today has 1600 members, a diverse mix. Uh, one of the things that we like about Greater Charleston is uh, we play way above our fighting weight. So uh, today we compare ourselves against metro economies in Nashville, Austin, uh, Salt Lake, Jacksonville, Seattle. So very dynamic economy, great chamber team here, 27 full-time professionals working hard every day for those members. And uh, we have a blast and uh, the future is extremely bright for this metro area. So that's a little bit of a, a thumbnail background. We're excited for that 250th and uh, 2023, it'll be uh, a big celebration. I think more importantly, we're focused on the next 25 years. There, there are two things that really define how we look at our work every day. And the first one is assuring the competitiveness and resiliency of our 1600 business members. We need to get it right for them and partnership and uh, our team leans into that great opportunity. And the other thing is aiming the region 25 years into the future. That requires a set of policy decisions, a set of community decisions that ready us for that next quarter of a century. A, a lot of chambers get stuck in the present or look to the past, and uh, that's just not how we operate. I think when you go to a, if you've ever gone to a swing coach for your golf swing or your tennis swing, they don't talk to you about 10 things to work on. They talk about two or three. So those are the two that we always concentrate our energies on. I was going to say, as you're saying that, that that is always a challenge. And this challenge for, you know, us as a small business is, is you have, you have what you need to do today and you, you need to do it for 1600 companies that, that you represent, but at the same time, keep your eye on, on the future. And that, and both of those things take significant resources. Thinking about the next 25 years and thinking about preparing yourself for that, what, what are you focused on right now, as far as the different priorities for the region looking forward. Sure. You know, one of the things that we become, became conscious of uh, very early on in that kind of duality that you just described, how do you meet the members' specific needs today and then look to the future over the next quarter of a century? And we chose, whether you want to call them swim lanes, aisles, four specific areas. And these are the platforms that we drive everything through in our organization. So the first one is naturally business development. How do we help those 1600 members connect to one another, connect to opportunities throughout the metro area and the state? So a lot of time spent in that area. 
the second one is government relations. Uh, we're a firm believer that in the three county metro, the state of South Carolina, nationally, how do we assure a sound business environment for uh, 21st century competitiveness of our companies? The third one is talent. We all need it. It's the most important ingredient in any business. So how do we work with our K through 20 system? We have three full-time professionals that work directly with everything from primary education to higher and secondary education, making sure that that talented workforce is career and skilled ready. And then the final one's leadership. I think a lot of, a lot of communities miss the boat here. And uh, we've seen chambers more and more in the last 10 to 15 years truly concentrate on how do we prepare leaders across the board, neighborhood associations, PTA presidents, elected officials, young business leaders, mature business leaders, to have a shared vision for moving a region forward. So our goal every year is to train a thousand leaders in understanding where our metro area needs to go. It's top things to work on and how we get there. And that may be the most significant driver for that aiming the region into the future. Because a lot of times people just, it's not that they don't want to do it. They just don't know. So very big focus area for all of our professional development programs or Charleston Young Professionals, just getting leaders wrapping their minds around the same thing and how we all go there together. So that collaborative ethos is real important. So really, those are the four things that we do to drive the community forward and to meet our members' needs. Let me talk, let me pick up on that because I like the phrase that you said, that the collaborative ethos. So you've got your staff and, and they're kind of divided into those four categories. Talk to me a little bit about the, the Charleston Metro Chamber's position at the center point of all of all this for the for the community. So you've got the 250th anniversary, you got regional planning going forward. How how do you make sure that you are, I would say not only plugged in, but you are a driver in making sure all that goes well? I love that question. I would have paid you 10 bucks to ask it. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we use a term and it became really relevant during the pandemic, Craig. <clears throat> We're the SANE Center, S-A-N-E. There's a lot of noise, a lot of turbulence, but how do we provide that clear signal through the turbulence? And we believe we do that by being that SANE Center. And also within that, we've identified what we think are relevant issues today and powerful issues moving forward. So attainable housing, uh, we have a very attractive market, 33 people a day come here. So how do we make our housing accessible to anybody that wants to have housing that's affordable? Big challenge, that's gonna be a decade to 25 year challenge. Sector labor demands, our unemployment's at 2.3%. So how do we make sure each sector has the skilled employees they need? Uh, infrastructure funding insufficiency. With that kind of daily growth, we've, we're outstripping our infrastructure. So we've been very dedicated and focusing on that federal, state, and local. The federal highway bill that just passed is going to be uh, imperative for our region. And then mobility alternatives. Uh, whether it's Buffalo, whether it's Charleston, uh, Richmond, mid-sized markets, many of us are not big enough for high-speed rail. So we're really getting into uh, bus rapid transit. 
2026 will be opening 22 miles of bus rapid transit that'll go through two of our counties, uh, have 22 stops. So we're, you know, that's the first leg. Then we want to do a couple more legs. But every time we take cars off of that infrastructure and get people closer to where they work and live versus having to make a 50 minute commute, uh, quality of life goes up, infrastructure sustainability goes up. So that's important. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's a 25-year movement for us. Uh, we are launching a minority business accelerator. In fact, 19 candidates are interviewing for that today. Uh, they'll go through a year-long program with the goal of them coming out with a three-year plan, hopefully to double or triple uh, their employment and their profitability. So excited about building that into the work. We live on the water. I know Lake Erie is a little bit different than the Atlantic Ocean, but we're dealing with sea, sea level rise and we're, we're dealing with storm surge. So how do we grapple with that in the next decade? Right now we're in an Army Corps of Engineers study uh, looking at a, a surge wall. Um, so er, very early in the investigation of that. Uh, and then just looking at what makes a place competitive for talent, for employers. You know, one of the things I say when I speak is, and every once in a while, I'll run into somebody that has a, like if they're Google or Amazon, but I'll say, how many of you have 396 competitors? Well, not many people have that. Well, there are 396 other metropolitan statistical areas in this country that want our talent, that want our employer base. Um, so that's just in our country. Right. That doesn't include other continents, other countries. So we're in a highly competitive setting. And sometimes reminding an elected official, reminding a citizen that gets very myopic that, hey, people don't have to stay here. There are other people, other people can be attracted to other areas. Businesses can be attracted to other areas. So we got to be hypervigilant with regard to the right setting. So that's a big focus. If, uh, if you reveal the secret for workforce and mobility, I'll get a million views on this podcast episode. So <laughs> everybody's trying to figure that out. <laughs> you, know where, you know where we're going with that, though, Craig, to your point? And I, I think it's, it's resonating with businesses, large, medium, and small. Get it right under your roof. Okay? Yeah. Get it right. That's why we're doing this major DE&I initiative. If you don't have a diverse workforce in the next 25 years, in a diverse, diverse customer base, you're not going to be in business. Yeah. So, so get it right under your roof. We're working to provide people with tools that help them get the right employee, keep the right employee and grow them. Cause we're not, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. We were getting people from uh, Western New York, Northeastern Ohio. You know, we had a lot of in migration from uh, States throughout the country that's changed there's just a scarcity of available workforce. So um, you got to get it right home base or, or you're not going to be successful. So I, uh, I won't make you write the forward to the book. We've still got some work to do there. But I think eventually employers, they have embraced it. We interviewed our board um, at the end of the year and asked them going into 2022, number one competitive issue across the board, talent attraction and retention. So they're, they're pulling out all the stops on looking at uh, wages, benefits, uh, culture, uh, retention practices. 
So I, I think there's going to be a great sensitivity, and rightly so, to gaining and keeping excellent employees. So it, it'll be interesting to see how it breaks over the next couple of years. So one of the themes that we've we've heard on the podcast from from just about everyone is is over the past two years how the role of the chamber and the needs of the chamber for supporting your members has changed, and it's been different for large chambers, small chambers, but there's always been some kind of need to, and I'll use the even though I, everybody hates the word now, but but need to pivot to, to in in order to support their members. How has uh, the Charleston Metro Chamber been been innovating? Uh, and what, what are you working on now uh, in the interest of serving both your members and, your, and, and the community? You know, it, it's interesting. I, um, we have a $10 charge in, under our roof for the use of the word pivot. So I will, <laughs> I will be billing you for um, the, the, worst of the use of the word pivot. Uh, we've tried to move to change the script, flip the script, global pandemic. We haven't, in our lifetime, we haven't experienced that. So uh, I think early on, what we practice with regard to that sane center thing we talked about at the top of our interview is we're not going back. You know, I, I don't, I, you know, early on 2020, I heard a lot of people say, oh, it's going to revert back. Or I think people are over that now. One of the things that we did is that we said, how do we get tighter with our public and elected leadership in our private sector. So our chamber, the Berkeley, Charleston, Dorchester Council of Governments, which represents all the governments in the three county area and our Charleston Regional Development Alliance, which does our economic development, global economic development. We were able to secure an economic development assistant grant of $400,000. So over the past year, uh, we've been working with SB Friedman which is a, a national consultant developing a one region roadmap opportunities for all. So that's been an, an in-depth assessment of really three factors. How do we create equal access to living, learning, and earning opportunities for every citizen in the low country? Dramatically different. You and I both grew up in the profession where an economic development plan was how many jobs and what sectors. So this is a different animal. This is saying, how do we position every person, every business, every organization to be a co-contributor to the growth of our region? That plan will be coming out in February. We're really excited about it. The neat part about it, and you and I have lived this, Craig, you know, these plans come out and they've got, you know, 88 priorities. No one's ever gonna do 88 things. This is gonna come out and for 2022, it's going to have four to six priorities. And there'll be things like attainable housing, an inclusive digital footprint, mobility alternatives. So then stakeholders will come together around those four to six priorities and say, all right, let's go change the community. So the pandemic gave us a driver to look at the region in a different way. And also the, that, that word we used earlier, that uh, ethos of collaboration kind of gets elevated to a much higher level. And, and we had to come up with a, you know, it's easy to do the study. I've always said, there's only one thing more dangerous than not doing a study. That's doing a study and doing nothing with it. So we've built a local governing network. 
So there will be lead agents for each priority that pull the stakeholder groups together. Uh, we, we're thinking we're going to get attainable housing because we've been in that for three, four years. So we'll be hiring an attainable housing executive fellow on our staff, and that's all she or he will do. So 25 hours a week, uh, it starts as a part-time position. That's their focal point. So we're real excited about what, what it'll mean to look at our region with shared priorities for advancement and then help the region figure out how to do it. I don't care if it's Buffalo, Columbus, Charleston, Atlanta, the communities that figure out how to combine their ingredients and leverage them, they're the ones that win. So we think it's a real winning formula to take us into the future. And uh, we're, we're excited about that new script uh, that we've kind of pulled from the pandemic. That's excellent. And, and you're right, we, we see things very much through the same lens. When I was an early on newbie in the role, we, we had a document that everybody had dumped their uh, priorities into. And we went to Washington with it and marched it around. And, and it was it was actually Senator Chuck Schumer, who's now the, the yeah. majority leader, who we walked into his office. And, and what I, one thing I really always appreciated about, about uh, Senator Schumer was he took the meeting himself every time we were there. No staff. Oh, that's a rarity. And we hand in the document and we had like 30 seconds with him. Like, don't get me wrong. He hand in the document and he folded it, held it in his hand. He goes, tell me the one thing you want and I'll go do it for you. And that just like to a young staffer, that just kind of blew my mind. I'm like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Now the trick is taking that message back to the community and getting everybody to play ball and figure out what that one thing is or four, five, six priorities. So that's great that, that, that you guys are at the center point of that. And that's such, an, that's such a huge, huge role. Yeah, when we, when we interview a year from now, which I'm excited to do again, mm -hmm. you can ask me how we've done with the One Region Roadmap priorities. Because that, when we went into it, we as the chamber, our continual comment to S.B. Friedman was, if you come back with 20 priorities, we only want to know the first four to six because we're not going to look at seven through 20 until we prove we can do four through six. And I love the Schumer example. What, what are the three, four, five things this community is going to get right? And then everybody can hone in versus if you've got 20 or 30 or 40, it all gets washed out. So this whole focus factor uh, is really going to drive the success. And, and it's all new. I mean, it I remember what Edison said. He had a, a reporter in his laboratory up in New Jersey one time. And the guy said, what are my rules while I'm here today? And Edison said, there are no rules. We're in a laboratory. <laughs> so along the way, we're going to be experimenting. We may get it right in attainable housing and struggle a little bit with uh, digital inclusion. And that's okay because that's how communities learn, how they learn to come together and solve problems. So you don't walk away, you reposition the effort and figure out what's missing, how can we do it better? And, and the other thing you and I get because of who you work with and how you started, these are not overnight sensations. Right. These will be, a couple of those priorities might take a decade, but we need to launch them correctly. I always remember we made a Metro leadership visit to Richmond, Virginia, and uh, the publisher of the newspaper was speaking to us, and he was like the eighth person we'd seen over the, the first day and a half, and 
they were all, they all had the same script. It was like, it was burnt into their brain. And we said, what do you guys get together once a week and talk about this? He said, always remember it. This is 15 years in the making. There is no overnight sensation. So that's, that's the other thing to remember is that we're in it for the long game. Well, 249 years probably indicates that. But, but this is a long game. Yes, there's low-hanging fruit. There's victories along the way. But we affectionately say in our building, you know, we're planting shade trees we'll never sit under. Our kids will. Our grandkids will. And, and that, that's the beauty of Chambers. Because a lot of the work, yeah, there's an immediate dividend to members. But the greater dividend is to the community long term. So that's why the one region roadmap is really exciting for us. It's huge, too, because you have, I mean, your, your government is, no matter how bought in or, or uh, aggressive they can be, they are still dictated by two and four-year terms. Yep. Whereas you, may, you make a 10, you could work through three different people in, a, in one seat to, uh, yep. to do it. So it, it's critically important. Yeah. Let, let me, um, we talked a lot about the region, about the chamber. I want to talk about you and your role a little bit. What, uh, what gets you excited about your job? What, uh, what gets you out of bed in the morning? I think a lot of the a lot of the stuff we've talked about when I um I think about the relationships. I uh my mom said to me one time, she said, You're so blessed. She said, every day you get to go in and work with people that want to make positive change for the community. Now they may have different ideas about how to do it. So I, I love the relationships. I love watching the light bulb turn on for a business leader when they say, oh, I get it now. I get what it means to sit down with an elected official and have dialogue versus trying to use a two by four. So those moments of helping someone see their role and how we move forward is powerful. And then I love the partnerships. I, um, uh, you know, I, when I started out, when, you know, I was a young gun like you lobbying, I probably used the bloody nose approach to lobbying. And uh, if we're big enough, if we can leverage enough, you better listen to us. We got rid of that a long time ago in this organization. We do partner-based lobbying. So we sit down with the elected. We, we know their district. We know their constituency. We know their businesses. And we say, okay, we've got a common set of goals here. So watching those relationships mature because it makes us faster. And, you know, there's, there's an old saying, whomever aligns the most neurons to fire in the same direction is going to win. And, and that's our goal. I don't, I don't want to give a state senator a bloody nose or a county council member a bloody nose because they're going to look up the next time we need to work together. And they're going to say, oh, my nose still hurts from the last time you hit me. I'd rather have them say, wow, look at what we produced together. So that's the other, you know, the other exciting part that makes me roll out of bed is how do we build a better community advancement framework? Because again, I've been in places that have had great ingredients. They didn't know how to mix them. I've been in other places that had sparse ingredients, but man, they were experts at aligning and coming together and fully leveraging what they had. So, you know, the callus on my forehead is there are days when I'm thinking, why don't people get it? Why can't they come together? And, and then there's the victories of breaking through and having people say, wow, we did something together we could have never done by ourselves. So 
that makes me roll out. And then, um, you know, I, I think too, the other, the cool thing is just what a great opportunity it is. We all think about legacy times in our lives and just to be able to leave a legacy. We, you know, we, when we interview people, I know it'll sound a little corny, Craig, but we say, Hey, if you want to go make widgets and make a bunch of money, super. If you want to make history, come to work for us. So that, that legacy component of the missional heartbeat of our lead volunteers, our staff, that gets me, that gets me pumped up every day to think about, you know, we're making history. So that's a cool part. Yeah, that is cool. Well, especially 250 years. <laughs> yeah. So you have a large staff, does a great job. You have a board, you have members, you have yourself, you probably, and you have partners, probably 50 ideas a week that, that would be worth looking into. <laughs> so, but we, you know, in our world, we, a lot of great ideas just don't go anywhere because they need funding. They need right. somebody to, to put them into motion. So I'm going to give you the question we like to give on here. You've got a blank check that you can use for economic development in Charleston. You as president of the chamber, how would you use that blank check? How much money? It's blank, <laughs> right? <laughs> we, we use a process down here. We've done it twice now, and it's been wildly successful. It's, it's called a vision lab. And, and I need to credit my great colleague, Rebecca Ryan, up in Madison, Wisconsin, because she's our futurist consultant that helped us design this uh, a number of years ago. The first time we used it was for uh, increasing our gas tax. And we couldn't get anybody on the same page. So it's a one-day run where you bring all your key stakeholders together and say, what do we need to get this accomplished? It's much more sophisticated than that. Well, at the end of that day, we decided we needed a quarter cent increase in the gas tax. I ended up with 12 and a half cents at the end of the legislative session. And that had been four legislative sessions in trying to get it. We just used it for housing attainability, brought local elected, county elected, private sector, and um, generated a very cool housing coalition, uh, a very neat toolkit that we'll develop and build out for local and county folks to look at gaining attainable housing. So at blank check, I would have a permanent approach to Vision Labs with a research facility because I, I think it's gold. The answers are there. And when you can suss them out in a day and get alignment, I think about, wow, every time a community ran into something big and difficult, if it had that skill pattern developed along with supporting research, and both of them are heavy research oriented before you get people in the room, because then you don't get somebody in the front row saying, oh, what about this? What about that? All the research is done. So that would be, that would be my blank check goal of a, uh, a permanent vision lab facility that has a research arm because every community runs into those things and most of them kick the can down the road and, and we can own that too. Um, so I'm not saying we're, we're better than thou. I'm just saying we think we know the mousetrap that if we could um, use it more effectively, more often we'd have success. When every community needs somebody who's going to gather everybody in a room, lock the door and say, we're not, we're not leaving until this is figured out. And that's a, that's a, that's a great role for the chamber to play. 
Vision Lab allows that to happen. That's, well, the Vision Lab gives you the process to, uh, I, uh, you know, to make that make that productive and effective. You know, in your role, you see you, you're digesting all kinds of content and you have, you have to motivate your staff of 27, motivate your board of directors, keep the community pumped up. How do you motivate yourself? Are there books, blogs, podcasts you use to uh, make sure you're staying in the know on things and also getting, uh, you know, getting that refill of inspiration? Yeah, probably the greatest gift my mom and dad gave me, they were both ferocious readers. I, I find that the ability to read from folks that are good at figuring things out, like we've been talking about today, is, is really powerful. And, you know, there are a couple of blogs that I think are, are really tremendous. I get them weekly. Farnham Street by Shane Parrish. World-class presenters, world-class content great change orientation focus. It's like gold. It comes every, every Sunday afternoon and um, I'm always diving in. And then um, uh, a fellow Buckeye, James Clear, uh, does something called the 321 Thursday newsletter. Uh, I would encourage all your listeners to um, get that. And the beauty of 321 is he gives three quotes, two ideas, and he asks one question. Okay. And unfailingly, the quotes are the question prod me to think about things differently. The podcast, I'm, I'm a big Ben Shapiro fan. Greg McEwen, who's a, a British author, has a What's Essential podcast. He's the guy that wrote the book on essentialism, and it teaches you how to say no. And if there's one critical thing I think every leader needs is the ability to, to say no, because every time you say yes, you're saying no to something else you're already doing. So uh, his, his podcast is really powerful. And then the books, um, I'm listening to it again, a book called Cognitive Dominance by uh, Dr. Mark McLaughlin. He's a brain surgeon, and it deals with how to look at fear factors in your life and to manage fear effectively. And, and then uh, another one that really caught my attention, and I'll, I'll leave it at that because there's probably 10 of them I could share. It's a book called Hitmakers, uh, How to Succeed in an Age of Distraction by Derek Thompson. He looks at all the hit makers in the 20th century and what they had to overcome to get their, their innovation or their entrepreneurial idea to the forefront. And it, it teaches a lot about how to, to look at the world and to read early signals, because that's what most of them were doing. So Derek Thompson just really crushes it in the book. It's amazing. That's great. No, I appreciate that. Definitely. I'm going to start to wind down here, but I, I do want to do something you you sent me some notes ahead of time, which is great. And you gave me some bullet points about why Charleston is awesome because you guys are crushing it. I just wanted to give you like, before we wind down and do our, you know, more info and all that, I, I wanted to just give you a, yeah, give you, give you three minutes to talk about how, how great Charleston is. Oh man. Thank you for affording me the opportunity to brag. Number one, I, I think we talked earlier about the fact that our port's going to be going to 52 feet and um, it is a, $26 billion economic driver for the state of South Carolina. Also, North Carolina, Tennessee. I look at all the all the, the tags on the semi-tractor trailers coming in and out of the port. So it services multiple states. I think it's it's not short of saying without it, there's not the Volvo manufacturing facility here. Uh, the BMWs roll down the road from Greenville and go out of the port. So it's a biggie. We're one of only, I think, five places in the world 
that have an advanced manufacturing cluster that makes wide body jets and automobiles. All that in the last decade, it, it's been a game changer and uh, continues to be a game changer daily, building the competent workforce that's needed, uh, meeting the demands of uh, those two important advanced manufacturing leaders in our region. Uh, IT and software cluster, uh, we're affectionately called Silicon Harbor. Tremendous growth in both large and small IT companies here. 900% job growth over the past decade in that sector. So um, doing really well there. Uh, on the healthcare front, Medical University of South Carolina and our other healthcare providers, we have one of the top uh, healthcare sectors in America and a, a great educational institution and a wonderful research going on. Joint Base Charleston, uh, 1993, the Naval Yard closed here, uh, about 22,000 people at that time. Today, Joint Base Charleston has 26,000. So we've recaptured those jobs and gone beyond. You know, when, when Gail and I learned that we were coming here, we started to call it Charleston Wow, because it didn't matter if we said it to a 21-year-old or an 81-year-old, everyone said, wow, you're going to Charleston. So Condi Nast degrees. Uh, one of the top travel destinations in the United States and the world. So that, that population that comes in every year uh, leads to some of the most amazing restaurants, uh, retail experiences, and uh, we're thrilled to be host to the world uh, when it comes to travel and tourism. Uh, and, and just last but not least, you know, everything that supports that, uh, great business operations, personal services. I mentioned a little bit earlier, we play way above our our, our fighting weight at 840,000 people. So um, very dynamic economy. I've never been anywhere that had so many slices in the pie. You, you and I both grew up in a place, places that had two or three slices and some world renowned, uh, like the Cleveland Clinic. But to have the diversity in our economy is really, I think, the, the strength of this, this metro economy. I'll be quiet. No, oh, no, that's fantastic. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate you, uh, you doing that. Where, uh, if you want to learn more about the, the chamber, the staff, the things you're working on, uh, where should we send them? Just come to our website, charlestonchamber.org. Love to uh, have you go to the upper right-hand corner of the website, and there's a member tab. And you'll have a, a, a teammate from our group giving you a call. And I want to talk a little bit real quick, Craig, if I could. Please. Um, we don't... We use the word member because of its familiarity in our profession, but really how we view each person that's in our business membership, they're a partner. So over the past 22 months, partner has really come over and taken over the word member. So when we sit down with a new business that comes to our organization as a partner, uh, we learn your desires, what you want to accomplish, and then we tailor a member engagement plan to your specific desire to be involved. It's a lot more than being just a member, it's being a partner. Uh, we want to know how we can help you succeed today, and then you step up and partner with us in the years ahead. So um, business partnership, I think, uh, eventually will replace business membership. 
a trick of communication today. You want to make the change, but you still have to understand what people are going to Google. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, and I'll vouch for the chamber on the member. You click that button for our for our client that we had joined the chamber. It's been a tremendous. Uh, we we got an immediate response. We had, a, had several great conversations, and it's been a great uh, experience for us so far from someone that's not even in Charleston. So that's perfect. That's the that's the other thing we're finding. You know, it used to be oh. You got to be within, you know, 40 minutes of the chamber. Yeah. Now we've got members all over the country. I mean, that, why would you not? The other, the, the next phase of what we're looking at is why would you not do leadership Charleston virtually? So let's say you're going to come here in eight months as a new leader. Can we put you through the program virtually? So you hit the ground already having the experience. So I think that's the other thing you'll see changing in our chamber industry is, you know, you just can't be thinking, oh, it's a drive time member. They could be anywhere on the globe. Right. That's fantastic. Well, Brian, thank you again for being here with us. I appreciate it. Appreciate you walking us through everything, telling us about all the great things that are happening in Charleston and the work that you, you're doing at the Chamber. I wish you all kinds of continued success. And, and like you said, I look forward to being back with you in a year and, uh, and seeing how yeah. things are going. I'm hoping that everyone listening has already created their own Chamber of Commerce engagement strategies for 2022 and is working closely already with their Chambers of Commerce to implement them, whether it's for networking, advocacy, or to help grow the business community in your area. Your Chambers of Commerce continue to need your support. We're not out of this pandemic yet. And and at the same time, they're here to help you meet your goals as well. If you're interested in learning how we can help you create a stronger relationship with your Chamber of Commerce, check out our website at www.momentumforbusinessgrowth.com. I also encourage you to connect with me, Craig Turner, on LinkedIn, as I'm posting weekly advice, information, and guidance on how to make the most out of your Chamber of Commerce investments. Again, if you're doing business in Charleston or are interested in the market, please check out www.charlestonchamber.org. Connect with Brian and his team, and they'll, they'll shepherd you through. So thank you again, Brian, for being here with us. Very, very much appreciated for taking the time. Thank you to our listeners. And we'll see you soon with another episode of the It's All About Who You Know podcast. Take care and have a wonderful 2022.